A reading from the good news about Jesus, written according to John. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Hear these words of life. I'm going to preach a sermon. (laughs) I'm going to do that in just a few seconds, but... um, You probably have, or if you don't have, there are some on that lectern right there, a community of people. Um, It's fine to just listen and let those words wash over you, but maybe as I speak, they'll remind you of someone in your own life, and you might want to pop their name on these. Maybe you'll hear a phrase that um, gives you life, or that frustrates you, or is your pet peeve, or that you have a question about. If you make a note of them on this community of friends, there will be an opportunity to um, ask questions and have some conversation with me. I'm not just going to preach and then sneak away. (laughs) Uh, So, but to help you have your voice, you just might like to um, note anything that comes up for you while I um, lead us in this extended meditation, or you might not, and that'd be fine too. So I speak in the name of God, earth maker, pain bearer, love maker. Amen. I have called you friends. I have called you friends. The category of friendship is slippery. Historically, it has described quite divergent relationships. Patron political ally, benefactor, colleague, deep soul-sharing friendship. In our own use of the term, we sometimes add qualifiers to clarify our intention in using the word. We say best friend, good friend, casual friend, school friend, work friend, workmate. But it is this word, this word that Jesus chooses of the many he could use as he addresses his disciples. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my Father. 
Hear then, echoing all the many times Jesus turned on their head the hierarchies, codes and conventions of his day. Here, in this phrase, Jesus undoes the power relationship of master and servant and invites those who are with him to a relationship of mutuality and trust. I have called you friends. What do we reply to this Christ who calls his followers friend? We say, Lord. We say, Father and King. We say, Eternal God, Loving God, Creator. We might try out mother or brother, companion, beloved. But this word, friend, I was at a chaplain's conference uh, a couple of years ago and Alan Jameson, a New Zealand writer, said he was practicing beginning his prayers every time, friend God. And as he was with us, that's how he prayed. And I realized how strange that sounded to me, as familiar as this text was. Friend God. Not peculiar, just strange in its unfamiliarity. Yet here in that passage from John's Gospel, in which Jesus speaks to his disciples, we hear him speak to them as friends. I have called you friends. That passage is not the only place that the idea of a relationship of friendship with God is discussed. Isaiah, for instance, portrays God as calling Abraham his friend. In addition, in a parable in Luke's Gospel, Jesus likens God to our friend who, when asked persistently, gives us what we need. I have called you friends. Jesus established a relationship of friendship with his disciples. He lays down his life for his friends. He tells his friends the mysteries that God reveals to him. He opens a way for his disciples to become the friends of God through his own friendship with them. He loves them as friends. He cares about them even in their betrayals and denials, and we know how big those betrayals and denials are going to be. So much of the history of the writing and philosophy about friendship has suggested that we can only become friends with people who are like us, Contemporary sociological research suggests that we become friends most often with people whose educational level, worldview, and values are similar to our own. Yet Jesus breaks this principle of friendship only with peers. He is not heaven bound, destined only for friendship with the co equal members of the Trinity. In Luke's gospel, we hear it said of him, the son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, 
a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus enters fully into human life, embracing the broken, the outcast, the marginal, the human, the fallible. I have called you friends. Aurid of Raveau was a Cistercian writing in the 12th century. One of his great passions was friendship, and he writes about spiritual friendship, a relationship which helps us grow in love, love of each other and love of God. In fact, for him, friendship is a sacrament of God's love. He talks about the continuous dialogue and interchange of love between the three persons of the Trinity and suggests that as human beings made in the image and likeness of this Trinity of persons, we are called to relationships based on mutual dialogue, exchange, sharing and self-giving. One of the gifts of the writings of Aurid is his emphatic affirmation that we move toward God in and through our relationships with other people, not apart from or in spite of them. There are two aspects to this. One is the idea that in the love of friends, we come to know something of the love of God. I remember being asked a tough theological question by a four-year-old. They're good at tough theological questions, I reckon. Why, she asked, why do I need God? In a typical fashion, I furnished another question for her question, right? That's what you do when you um, get asked tough theological questions. And so I said, what do you mean? (laughs) Not a very profound question, but there you go. Well, she explained to me, why do I need God? Daddy loves me. Mummy loves me. Nana loves me. Granddad loves me. You love me. Even my big brother loves me. Why would I need God to love me? It seems like a reasonable enough question, right? St. Ambrose saw human friendship as a necessary part of the outpouring of God's friendship. Because God is true, Ambrose argued. Friends can be true. Because God offers friendship, we can be each other's friends. Which is a a more poetic and eloquent, perhaps just a better developed version of my reply to my four-year-old friend. Where do you think love comes from? I asked. Oh, she said, is that God? Then I told her that she should go and talk to her dad, who was my training vicar at the time. (laughs) (laughs) I have called you friends. I have called you friends. The second way in which we move towards God, or a fuller knowledge of God in our friendships, is when we embrace the the radical edge of friendship that Jesus offers. 
The first time we hear the word friend mentioned in the gospel is that passage I read to you just before, when Jesus is described as a friend of sinners and tax collectors, as a glutton and a drunkard. The practice of friendship as a gospel practice will draw us beyond the easy circle of friendship with our peers. As we are transformed by the friendships in which we are known and loved, as we come to a fuller understanding of the love of God and the radical embrace of the gospel, we will be invited to consider following Christ to the margins, for friendship to be our ethic in engaging with others. We are often more at ease as benefactors. We know how to help others, and it is true that in our friendships we are sometimes positioned that way. We offer a skill, support, love, sometimes even advice. The parable says that a friend gets out of bed in the night to help their friend feed their visitors. But if helping is all that our friendship is comprised of, it doesn't describe a very full sense of what it is to be a friend. Friendship is a relationship that exists between two people who regard themselves as equals. Friendship allows for the possibility of being changed by the experience of loving and being loved. I have called you friends. If we are willing to accept that this is how we are named by the one we seek to follow, friends, then friendship would seem to me to be at the heart of the Christian life. Friendship changes us. Friendship expresses something about who God is what Jesus was like, and as such it is something to desire, to deepen, to cultivate. But more than that, when we engage in it and are open to being transformed by it, we live more fully into our Christian vocation, loving our neighbours and our God. In this way, the good news of the reign of God is more fully realised. Friendship is the antidote to the structures of dominance and individualism that stand in opposition to the justice, peace and liberation that we proclaim when we confess a faith in Christ. I have called you friends. Friendship is not some gimmick that we can market as a way of successfully living a Christian life. It is not even primarily about an act of will or making friendships in a calculating way. Is that really friendship anyway? Friendship as a spiritual practice. Friendship as the mark of a disciple. Friendship as a proclamation of the good news of the reign of God is about entering into authentic relationships, relationships of vulnerability and trust. 
how we live with them, by the gifts we receive in and from our friends, we open ourselves to being transformed by love and so enlarging the realm of God, the kinship and the new community proclaimed by Christ. That, my friends, would be good news. Amen. Your conversations welcome your comments or questions or responses. It's an invitation, not an instruction, though, so you don't have to if you don't want to. Okay, so... Not reverent enough, do you mean? Not as reverent enough for my conditioning. Okay. <laughs> I think, for, I would say, for, for me, it's like, you'd be friends with Jesus. I can, I can think of Jesus as friend. Okay. But thinking of God as friend, it's, it's, it's not something I've thought of before. Um, and I, I mean, obviously Jesus is God, so in that way, yeah. you are calling God friend. But the idea of, um, yeah, as a, when I'm praying to God, it tends to be like big God, rather than friend God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that because, I mean, like someone says something in the Bible like, you've never seen God. I mean, you don't know that God goes, God doesn't go to the loo, he doesn't know about his, his her bodily functions, all those sorts of things. It's very difficult to quantify. Yeah. When also reminded that we that the people it's almost like within ourselves we are a community of people that the self is not one person 
and often, you know, I'm just very aware that contemplative forms of prayer is a bit about awareness that you are a community of people in yourself, and that often people who have a good attitude towards friendship externally are often the people that look more at peace in themselves because they practice that kind of radical love to others, but also to themselves, recognizing that, that we're not just one person, but often we've got numbers of voices going in our heads, but we're actually worried about two or three people. And Young talks about that quite a lot. So I like the idea that, you know, that as you know, Christ is just one expression of the God who meets us in our complexity. And you know, I'll sit here like this, but this is the entirety of who I am. Um, uh, but it's one of the things that and so there's something about that beauty then, about God loving us in our complexity. And, and actually that there's something about friendship that is at the heart of the kingdom, which I think is really, really crucial. It's not always about right thinking, isn't it? Um, but actually about the way that we live. That builds justice and restoration to the world. So I love all that. So Young talks a lot about that, and I find it very, very keeping And I think I wanted to respond before to say that that idea of friendship with God, you find in the wisdom literature, um, including the deuterocanonical bits, <laughs> um, this idea that it's actually the work of holy wisdom or of the spirit in us that makes us friends of God. So actually it's not about our rational decision to be a friend of God or um, even... I mean, yes, I think that, that it raises interesting questions about how God would know that we are God's friend and what practices in our lives offer mutual and reciprocal friendship to God. But, but the grace of God and the gift of God is that even that, that comes as gift to us, you know, that the Spirit is at work in us. So I don't think I'm being very clear, but... The idea for me that it's the work of the, of the Spirit in me that, that helps me become a friend of God seems to me a sign of God's generosity and grace to us. That it isn't even our effort that makes us a friend of God, but actually even that becomes a um, gift to us. And the other thing I wanted to say is um, sometimes I learn from my friends how to be kinder to myself, actually. So I don't know that I am as good a friend to myself as I am to my friends. I think I'm meaner to myself than I would dare to be to the, to the people in my life that I love and, and walk alongside. I'm, I'm harsher anyway, I think. And sometimes it's my friends that offer me the possibility of a kinder or more generous or more gracious response to myself. And in so doing, perhaps I learn something about what God might be like, you know, in, in, the, in the very you know, generous and accepting response of my friends. Um, even if it's not very profound, even if it's just like hanging out with me when I'm in a filthy mood or making me soup when I'm being really pathetic. 
You know, they don't say, oh, you're being so pathetic, you don't deserve to eat. They say, you know, let me make you some food. And I learned something about that kind and gracious response. It's actually very interesting that we understand. It's very important, it's possible to such a she's just got such an open heart I guess and she just her, her immediate reaction without any second guesses was to go straight over this guy we just we just appear and came around asked a group of people saw him and I know my reaction wasn't the same as hers and she just went over and, and caressed his face propped him up a bit and started talking to him in his ear and I don't know I don't know how we change mood or become that welcoming place we want to be but I think it's a real tension too, though, because a friendship that is uh, kind of calculating, I think, 
You know, there's that idea of friendship evangelism, and I just think it undermines what is uh, foundational about friendship, because friendship allows for the possibility of being changed by the experience, and if our only intention in engaging in friendship is to change the other person, or if we're um, only engaging with the person in order to, to meet our own agenda, I think that that's um, a, very, a very thin version of friendship. And I, I think that that, um, in a book I was reading, someone was talking about being the non-believing husband of a, of a woman who goes to church. And every time he goes to church, everyone is extraordinarily kind to him. But he knows they're only being friends to him because he's the unbelieving husband who they may yet influence. And that's not, that's not, authentic, that's not authentic friendship. So I think it is a tension because I do think friendship's an ethical way of being in the world and that the qualities of friendship should affect our relationships, not just with all human beings, but even with, with ourselves and with our bodies and with the earth. I, w I would argue quite passionately for that. But I don't, don't know if that means that an authentic, mutual, vulnerable, trusting friendship um, can be... Um, can be a tactic, you know? So I think it's a good question about noticing the edges of our friendship and noticing our kind of um, birds of a feather flock together tendencies. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it's something that, you know, it's when I'm grateful for that third person of the Trinity who is at work in me to transform me and to invite me into a, an ever fuller sense of what it is to be a good human because then I can be in the becoming, you know, and, and the communities I'm part of uh, can also be confident of their becoming. We're going to pray now around some of these edges that we've talked about. Um, we're going to...